So Hebrews 10, verse 19. You remember the first 18 verses are all about what Christ has done for us, that once for all sacrifice. And then we're starting to talk about the implications now, verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. See you, kids. Enjoy your time. Well, good afternoon, everyone. Good to see you all. Uh, will you pray with me as we come to God's Word? Let's pray. Yeah, Father, how we need uh, your Word, uh, how we need your voice in our life. Um, we know that we don't live on bread alone, but we live off every word that comes from your mouth. Uh, thank you that you have given us your word and that you, um, you save us through it, you reveal yourself through it, you give us hope through it. So I pray that you would speak this afternoon. I pray that you would uh, help all of us to have hearts ready to receive what you have to say. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, uh, I don't think it would be an exaggeration to say that as a church family, uh, we're going through a time of upheaval. Um, in geology terms, upheaval is when the Earth's crust is radically displaced. Uh, where there was once solid, flat, reliable ground, all of a sudden there's a hill or a mountain. So obviously we've had the, the sudden threat uh, and interruption of COVID, which has just shaken our world. Everything we thought was reliable has just been shaken. Uh, there's relational and economic um, implications of this and the uncertainty of tomorrow. It's troubling, it's distressing. And then it's forced us as a church to split into two congregations uh, with a number of our folk permanently on Zoom, that added extra distance. We've had to change the way we do things uh, from music uh, to cancelling playgroup, uh, increased need for people to fill in roles just to make Sunday happen. It's just, it's different. It's unsettling. It's change. It's it's not by choice. COVID's kind of forces on us. And there's been a change of identity as well. 
it's no longer I go to Grace Evangelical only. It's also I go to 4 p.m. I belong to 4 p.m. church or I go to 10 a.m. There's a change of identity there. And now we are losing one of our leaders um, as well as the abundant ministry of Joe. It's not just their ministries we're losing, but we're losing Rob and Joe. I don't want to be overdramatic. I don't want to catastrophize. But I think it is accurate to say that we're going through a time of unexpected upheaval. And upheaval is destabilizing. It's distressing. How How do we respond to this distress? Uh, well, I think there's some not helpful responses. Some are easier to control than others, but there's an increase in anxiety because of the situations we're in, with all the uncertainty, which is understandable. There's, uh, there's reports on the news of so many people turning to religion, even hearing Chris's client talk about that. When there's uncertainty, why don't we go to God? And hopefully there is some genuine seeking there, but maybe some of it is just if I give God this much attention, he has to give me a better life. Maybe there's that attitude as well. I'm not sure. I think we can look to our political leaders and blame them for not fixing things or over-rely on them too much. Other ways to deal with distress, I think, is just to numb the pain wherever you can find comfort, Uh, whether that's just keep watching Netflix or whether that's uh, more gaming or uh, whatever it is, uh, or more destructive things like alcohol or pornography. There's an increase in that in our society as well. So we can try and numb the pain. Um, And then others just try and worry more and gain control of their lives. Um, Maybe there's a mixture of those kind of responses. How do we have better responses in times of distress, Uh, more constructive responses? I think we need one thing, which is our theme for this morning, hope. You've got to have hope. I heard this week uh, someone in the church, some of their hairdressers said that they thought we're nearing the end of COVID. There's less and less cases. Society is getting back to normal. Things are looking up. We're nearing the end. Is that hope? It might be how we use the word hope, but it's just wishful thinking, isn't it? Of course we want COVID, we want it to be near the end, but we look at news reports of what's happening overseas and it's wishful thinking. I hope I get a good night's sleep tonight. Um, I hope unemployment doesn't rise any higher in our country. It's uncertain. I can't control those things. It's wishful thinking. I think a more sophisticated form of wishful thinking in our culture at the moment is, uh, it's a bit popular, uh, the idea of uh, the power of positive thinking. If I think positively, the outcomes will be more certain. But it's still reliant on you and your abilities. 
when God talks about hope, he's talking about ground that cannot be shaken. It's a future that no virus, no circumstance, no person, no one, nothing can threaten. It's a future that can't experience upheaval. God's hope is more solid than the earth's crust that we are sitting and standing on right now. It is a certain thing when God talks about hope. So let's spend our time focusing on one verse this afternoon, Hebrews 10.23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. So we've heard the past two weeks uh, that Christ's once-for-all sacrifice, our uncleanness inside and out, how good was that video? It was just, um, our uncleanness has been fully atoned for, fully washed, fully paid for, so that we can now enter God's presence without fear but with confidence. Not confidence in ourselves but fully assured that Christ's blood has done it all. You can relate to God not in fear of judgment but resting in his arms. And knowing God as your father, since Christ your brother and great priest has fully brought you into God's presence in the heavenly places. Now that is good news. So let us hold fast the confession of our hope. Why would we move away from that? That phrase, though, the the confession of our hope, it might seem a bit obscure at first. Um, What's actually being said? First, I want to spend some time looking at what the hope is. What is it? What is the hope we have? Hope is, by definition, future-orientated. The Christian life is fundamentally a posture of looking forward. It's leaning forward. We haven't arrived yet. The best is still to come. It is waiting for the full experience of what God has promised us, of what Christ has purchased for us by his blood. 1 Peter talks about our living hope, our inheritance that cannot perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you who are shielded by God's power through faith. God's future, his promised future of dwelling with us is sure. The inheritance is kept safe. We are kept safe by his power, not our own effort. Which means sin, failure, sickness, persecution, Satan, nothing can touch it. Hebrews 12.28 describes the content of our hope in this way. Uh, the context of this verse, in, so chapter 12, 28, is in light of God's coming judgment that will shake and remove everything that's been corrupted by sin. That judgment is coming. But here's our hope. Let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. 
and eternal rest is another way Hebrews describes it. Living in God's world as he originally meant us to be, dwelling face to face with God, walking with him in the cool of the day in the garden, resting in his arms, the whole world united in joyful worship. That is going to be an amazing day, an amazing eternity. Uh, I really like Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. Um, it's, maybe it will help you clarify what our hope is even more and the, and the security of our hope. Uh, Hebrews six nineteen, We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever. It's a lovely image. Uh, we have an anchor for the soul. When the storm rages, we have an anchor. Waves are washing over, but our soul is anchored. It's anchored because our hope has entered into the inner place behind the curtain. Uh, that, that's that temple imagery again, uh, into God's most immediate presence, the most holy place in heaven. Obviously, that's talking about what we looked at last week. Christ has gone there ahead of us. And because he's gone ahead of us and he's done it all for us, we will be there one day fully. Yes, we access God's presence by faith now, but we will have that immediate presence with him fully one day. So we aren't told to hold fast our hope. We're, we're actually told to hold fast to our confession without wavering. The hope is sorted by Jesus. He's got that covered. That's not our job <laughs> to control the hope. What we're told to do is hold fast to the confession of our hope. Confession here is more than just uh, telling someone that we're a Christian or sharing the gospel with them, although it includes those things. Confession is an all-of-life thing. Everyone is hoping all of the time in things, and you show it by what you say and what you do. You, you can't help that. We're all hoping. So what, what are you displaying? What are you confessing with your life that your hope is? In 1 Peter chapter 2, we're, we're told to be ready to give a reason for the hope that we have. That assumes that someone uh, who's going to ask for a reason can see something different in us by the way we live. Why do you have hope? And the context in 1 Peter is the same as Hebrews. The context is hardship. Hardship is the time when hope is seen most clearly because other things that you could be trusting in have been taken away. How can you be so sure you will live again after being diagnosed with a terminal illness? That is out of this world hope to, to believe that. How can you still believe God is good when you've lost the person you love? That hope of future uh, being together again, that's incredible. 
or remaining calm when being made redundant. People people should be able to see it. And, And hardship is the best opportunity to show it. That our hope is in heaven. It's not It's not here, in a sense. So hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. What could make us waver? What what could make us stop identifying with Christ or just drawing away from Christ and all he is offering us by faith in him? Let me mention just two things. One is sin. Prizing something in this world more than what Christ offers us. And we just play around with sin and over time our conscience just stops pricking us anymore. We used to care and feel guilty or ashamed, but we just got so used to it and our conscience gets hardened. And we slowly move away from anyone who would challenge us, from our Christian brothers and sisters, that that beautiful accountability and encouragement that we have here. Um, John Owen says, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. I I think another thing that would make us just shrink back what from what Christ offers us is just the relational cost of following Jesus at uni or school or in the workplace. You just want to shrink from conversations sometimes, don't you? You just want to hide and go, oh, gee, I wish I wasn't a Christian right now. I feel like I need to say the Christian perspective is here. Or Maybe that's just me who feels that sometimes, that pressure. Um, it would just be so much easier to fit in if you weren't a Christian. And so we can be tempted to just pull away. Why would we act like this as if we didn't have hope? These paths only lead to a dead end, which is what the next paragraph is about in Hebrews. To reject, to absolutely reject. So this isn't, wavering isn't just talking about the sin that we all struggle with. We need to keep using our access to God, that that forgiveness and that power to keep going on in the struggle. That is the normal Christian walk. But this absolute wavering and pulling away from Christ, to reject such a great salvation and hope, And to treat Christ's blood as worthless. There's only one thing at the end of that road, and that is a fearful expectation of God's judgment. Why would we live that way? Why would we go down that road when we have such a great hope? So that's the negative side. What does holding fast look like positively? I think we see that in the next paragraph. Uh, So in verses 32 to 34, uh, the original readers are reminded of their holding fast in the early days of their Christian faith. Uh, Have a look at verses 32 to 34. Uh, But recall the former days when, after you were enlightened, you 
endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. That's incredible. (laughs) Holding fast, confessing Christ as our hope will look like endurance no matter what comes. Not just endurance, but endurance with joy because we know our hope is certain. If our hope was in the things of this world, when they're taken away, we can't have joy. But if our hope is bound up with Christ, waiting for that promised kingdom that can't be shaken, then whatever else fails us, we can remain firm with joy. Our hope has entered into heaven behind the curtain. We have an anchor for the soul. I like to picture like the anchor cord is just like going up to heaven and is kind of attached (laughs) up in heaven. This season of upheaval as a church family is not a time to despair. It is one of the best opportunities we have to display that our hope is in Christ and it's certain. I'm not trying to just hype us all up to rally together and press on. I'm not trying to hype us up. But I'm saying we can. We have an opportunity here to display our hope amidst COVID, amidst the disruption in our church family as well. We can show that the source of our confidence is in Christ and not in ourselves here and now. How do we know that our hope is not just wishful thinking? Uh, For he who promised is faithful. I think promises can be cheap today, can't they? Like indicating on Facebook that you're going to an event. We're pretty cheap with what we put on Facebook. Um, Or maybe you just put maybe and not commit. Sound like a slide, do but anyway, that's not in my script. Um, or, or politicians promising something that they just can't deliver on. They don't have the power to. It's a cheap promise. Or as a society, we have cheapened the marriage covenant promise. I'm saying wider society. I think promises can be cheap. In our world, this is the opposite of God's character. We see his character in the history of the Old Testament, in how he relates to sinful people, offering them life again and again and again. We see it after Israel is delivered from Egypt in the wilderness. They've just seen all his miracles, a great salvation from slavery, and they're just grumbling. Did you bring us out here to die? Are you kidding me? You, you just got saved. And yet God is faithful with them. He's patient with them. 
And then the judges period, just chaos. People did what they wanted, what they thought best in their own eyes. And yet God was faithful to his promises to Abraham. And then under the kings, so many of the kings led the whole nation astray, doing what was evil in the eyes of the Lord. And yet God remained faithful. Even when they went into exile, he was sending prophets saying, come back. I am faithful to my promise. My promise still stands. Come and have life in me. And where did all those promises lead? It led to God's son's blood. His body given for us. Jesus risen seated at the Father's side, having secured our salvation once and for all, all those promises being yes in Christ. Is there greater faithfulness than that? Our God is a faithful God. You won't find anyone like him. Father, Son, and Spirit. All our hope is bound up in a person in the character of a person. It is bound up in what Jesus has already done on the cross and his resurrection. Our hope is sitting next to the Father in heaven. That's where our hope is. Just as we saw last week that our confidence to enter God's presence has nothing to do with our merit, but what Christ has done, so too our hope for the future has nothing to do with our ability to feel hopeful or our ability to maintain the basis of our hope. Our hope is outside ourselves. Christ himself and what he accomplished is our hope. Our hope for the future has already been secured by Christ's blood and ascension in the past. So we can live out our hope in the present. Our future hope is secured in the past. It's already done. So we can live it out. So during this season of upheaval, uh, we have an anchor for our souls. I don't think we should despair. I don't think we should fret and try and maintain control as if tomorrow depends on us. I think it is a time to grieve as a church family. I think it's a time to draw near to God to maintain our joy. And I think it's a time to continue to encourage one another's faith as we're going to hear in the next few verses of Hebrews next week. This time of upheaval is the best opportunity to show that we have hope, a certain hope. Let's not waver, but hold fast. Our future is sure because he who promised is faithful. I'm going to finish by reading the lyrics of of our next song, Cornerstone. I'm just so glad that the Musos chose this song. Uh, It just fits this word to us today from Hebrews so well. so let me read these lyrics and then, and then Musos will, will sing it for us, I think. My hope is built on nothing less 
than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. When darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless, we will stand before the throne. Thanks.